0: from the Ocgen Community Studios, it is the Wolf and Luke Show on a Thursday morning. Wolf,
1: how's it going over there? It's going great, as a matter of fact. Tomorrow's Friday, are you kidding me? A football Friday, and the suns are rolling right now, as we all know, and the Coyotes scrapping away, as, as usual. Under Bear, of course, we have seen that. Um, but you know, for me right now, uh, this is the time of year I really start getting jacked up. October is here. You know how I feel. Tomorrow's Friday, a football Friday. We're going to get nuts. But let's let that happen right now, shall we? I don't think people fully
0: appreciate. I didn't fully appreciate until I started doing this show with you how much you love the month of I October. Did, like, it you really just is, walk man. around with a smile on your face during commercial breaks and everything.
1: I, I think it. Uh, I think we all can empathize with this too, especially living here in the basin where it's so hot. Of course, the summer months are brutal. We all understand that. Eight months of the year, it is absolutely amazing here, and yet you pay for for four months (laughs) you you pay for it yeah yeah, and yet this time of year coming out of that heat it just fills you with a a certain hope a hope for a better day man and no uh, matter how dark it may be for you personally or or maybe at work or or maybe you're a fan and your team is not playing well no matter how dark it gets metaphorically speaking man you still got eight months of the best or weather will
0: right, I just draw another hypothetical. Or you're stuck in traffic needlessly for an extra forty minutes because they've just narrowed the road down to one lane and there's not really any sort of explanation. Is that
1: what happened to you? Look, you your
0: speech right there brightened my day so much. I don't even I don't even feel the need to complain anymore. It just, just feels good, it.
1: doesn't it? Feels so right. Let's go brawl.
0: Let's uh, let's get into the fact that the Cardinals and Vikings. You kind of set the stage right there. Friday tomorrow will be a football Friday. It'll also be Suns Pelicans. You know how I feel about the Pelicans. And you know how I feel about the Suns (laughs) and the Coyotes opening that arena. It's been open, but opening it for NHL hockey tomorrow night uh, against Winnipeg, too, which is kind of fitting that it's Winnipeg. Beautiful. Uh, But let's start with football today. And this is something that we kind of got into a little bit earlier this week. And then Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury talked about it yesterday as well. The offense has not been good for the Cardinals, let's say, the first six weeks. Last week, I'm going to kind of, let's let's wait and see if maybe that was them starting to turn the corner. I'm not denying the offense hasn't been good. It hasn't passed the eye test. It has not played up to its standard at all. But it's not like offense around the league has been amazing, Wolf. There have been some teams, yes, but if you've watched the Cardinals these first seven weeks, you wouldn't think they're 16th out of 32 in scoring. You really wouldn't. They don't look like it. Yeah. That means there's 16 teams scoring less than the Cardinals per game.
1: Yeah, no, it really is. It's league-wide. Offensive football is down, and one of the big reasons why, of course, so many teams want to throw the ball, and if you're going to throw the ball, you know the thing you're going to do if you're a defensive coordinator coordinators, you're going to go ahead and you're going to play two safeties high. That's what you're going to do. You're going to play an awful lot of cover two, two safeties high, five underneath and rush four. If you can do that, man, it's, it's, it's the age old adage that has been around for a long, long time. If you can rush four and drop seven and get pressure on an opposing quarterback, man, you've got gold in your hand. If you're a defensive coordinator, it's it's the way to beat the best of the best. It's the way to beat the Tom Brady's of the world. It's the way to beat Aaron Rodgers. It's the way to beat the best quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League. You rush four and drop seven. And man, if you can put those two safeties high, that really gives a defensive coordinator an advantage in the passing attack. So what happens is more teams more times than not, start dinking and dunking down the field, throwing underneath that, which many times is by design. That's exactly what the defensive coordinator wants you to do. A little dink and dunk, right? Bend but don't break defense. How do you beat that? That's the question. I feel like I'm walking into
0: your trap if I say be more physical, attack the line of scrimmage, and run. Also, I misspoke. Well, I didn't misspeak, but the uh, the Cardinals are not 16th in scoring. They're actually 15th because the last time I looked was before the Patriots just didn't show up to their Monday Night Football game against yeah, Chicago. Yeah, but, you
1: know, once again, um, up until the last game, they were underperforming, hugely underperforming oh, yeah. for the talent they have on uh, that I'm
0: team. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm saying that that— illustrates or emphasizes how much scoring is down around the National Football League. If the Cardinals have played the way they have the first seven games and they're fifteenth in the league in scoring, yeah. like that does not look like a team that's in the top half of the league in scoring. This is uh this is Kyler Murray yesterday if he feels like there's any reason why offense has been down.
2: I don't know. I saw Tom Brady say something about there's a lot of bad football being played or something like that. Um <laughs> A lot of teams are like three and three, three and four, and and all that stuff. Uh, I think defenses are, you know, the explosion of of last year. There's a lot of explosive plays. Um, really, offense kind of, you know, took off last year. I felt like. So I don't know. Maybe defenses are, you know, a lot of too high, a lot of you know shell coverage and stuff like that, making people check the ball down, take the underneath stuff, which I know we've had to deal with that. Um, I think I would do the same if I, you know, if I was a defensive coordinator, kind of a a bend but don't break type of mentality. Make these, you know, all these, there's so many great athletes on offense, so many great players in today's league. So competitive that um, I think, you know, it's tough to put guys in, you know, situations where they're playing man or um, where they can get beat. So, you know, I would, yeah, I, I, uh, I would probably do the same.
1: Stop and think about it right now. Sounds pretty familiar to what you just said. No, I'm just saying, think about this. you got all these explosive players, incredible players. I just look at the Minnesota Vikings this week by way of example. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. These guys are incredibly explosive with the ball in their hand. I, I think of that explosiveness. If you're a defensive coordinator, why give up the big play? Why do it? Boy, those two safeties high really, really limits a lot of the big plays down the field. Not all of them, but that cover two shell really takes away a lot of the disadvantage that an offense has. Um, in terms of throwing the ball, okay? So what are you going to do? Make him work the ball down the field, down the field, down the field. Oh, now you're in the red zone. We'll give up three points all day. We'll give up three points all day. The one thing we don't want to do is give up a touchdown. And now when we get you in the red zone, those windows in throwing the ball become very difficult, very tight. It's hard to throw the ball in the red zone and score on a consistent basis. you got to be able to run the ball, Luke. And that's where defensive coordinators have changed their philosophy in terms of letting you dink and dunk down the field and then will jump you in the red zone. And offenses have to adjust to that.
0: It seems like such an advantage now. To look at the top scoring teams and, and see that most of them are, it's, it's showing up in the standings. Kansas City's scoring 31.9 points a game. I'm pretty sure the Cardinals last year through seven weeks were right at like 31 point something points per game, weren't they? Yes. The Chiefs are the only team over 30 points a game, right? Yes. Buffalo is second at 29.3. Those are the two best teams in football as far as I'm concerned. Philly's fourth at 26.8. And, and if, if it's not Buffalo or Kansas City, Philly's obviously the other team. They're undefeated. Seattle is fifth. The Raiders are third. They score 27.2. They they haven't translated that into wins, but it just feels like to be able to score this year, <laughs> as silly and simplistic as that sounds, is such a, an advantage, even more so than it has been in years past. I'll put this in perspective for you. Wolf, Minnesota's five and one. They're scoring less than a point per game more than the Cardinals yeah. with all those weapons. Right. With with Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen's been decent this year and they have KJ Osborne and when they have to go to Alexander Madison, he's decent. Like they have a ton of offensive weapons, and they are scoring less than a point per game, more than the Cardinals. And again, I'm not saying that to say, hey, the Cardinals have been better than we realized. No, they haven't on offense. Just nobody is good on offense outside of like seven teams this year.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know this is where the Arizona Cardinals have got to get better, in my opinion. It's one of the reasons why, based on as you hear me talk about it all the time, I want the Cardinals to be capable of doing anything. I don't want them to be so one dimensional. I really don't. I want them to. Yeah, we can be whatever we need to be to beat you. That's what I want to see the Cardinals be. And that's the reason why you can't just abandon the rushing attack. You can't do it, man. You've got to develop it. you got to nurture it. It's got to be part of your culture and who you are, especially when you move the ball down the field and you're able to move the ball down the field, whether you're dinking or dunking or maybe getting a big play every now and then, moving down the field, getting into the red zone, and then here we go. It's going to be really difficult to throw the ball, so now you got to be able to run the ball in order to convert red zone possessions into touchdowns. That's what you have to be able to do. The, uh, I just want to throw this
0: out there for perspective. The Chiefs have 223 points scored this year. The next closest is Seattle at 183. But that wasn't even my point. My point is Denver has a hundred. Denver <laughs> <laughs> scored a hundred points this season. Man, I'm trying to put that into perspective I, of, of last year. I mean, the lowest scoring team in football last year okay. was Jacksonville
1: at 253. Okay, there were two things I was dead wrong, on. I love doing this. I love pointing out where I was wrong because I'm I can wrong do it for every day. You if you want. Absolutely, because I'm wrong every day of my life, ladies and gentlemen. Some people are just all about being right. I will. Admit, I'll never admit I'm wrong. I'll never do it right. Right? You know who you are. Um, I don't have a problem with that because I'm wrong every day. Matt Ryan. <laughs> I thought Matt Ryan was going about to that. blow it up <laughs> with the Indianapolis Colts. It feels so good. I, I can feel the weights falling off my shoulders, even as I admit this. Matt Ryan has been awful in that offense. And then the Denver Broncos. I thought we're going to well. be so Super Bowl caliber on, the Broncos. on their offensive side of the ball, and they have been anything but. I, we all thought the Broncos were at least going to be a playoff team. This house is clean. When,
0: <laughs> when we come back, why don't the Suns want Jay Crowder back? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Feels good. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wait, do I have great news for you, Wolf. You're going to pop this up? I, I just saw
2: yesterday
0: Green Days coming to uh, Tempe. Oh, no way, are they really? Yeah. I assume you'll be there. Okay, wait March. a minute.
1: Ryan Hatch, if you're listening right now, uh, we need we need the suite. What's um, it's outdoors. You know who's wait also going to be there? Who? Eddie Vedder. Really?
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's going
1: to oh, be there wow. on Sunday. Okay. Green Day Saturday Eddie okay. okay. Are you gonna take better? Uh probably not. Probably not. Um but smashing pumpkins. when is that again? November 18th. November 18th. Yeah. Okay. That's indoors. That's indoors. I okay. think that's indoors. Right. You know what? Uh Ryan Hatch, if you're listening right now, we're gonna need the suite for that one right there.
0: <laughs> is this a new bit on the show you just, <laughs> just call
2: out? <laughs> <on>? <laughs>
0: We just need a suite to every every show that we play any music from on this show. Oh, shit. All right. This, um, we talked about this briefly yesterday, but I really think it deserves a deeper dive, Wolf. Okay. Because for the longest time, the assumption was, hey, Jay Crowder's not playing for the Suns this year. He must want out because of playing time. And we talked about it on this show over the last couple months. That doesn't really totally add up. If you just follow the logic of it. If, if, look, if I'm Jay Crowder and you tell me, hey, we're going to give Cam Johnson your starting spot. And I'm like, okay, well, then I want to go start somewhere else on a good team. Yeah. Well, most other good teams already have their starters. Yeah. So it's not like, okay, well, just trade me to Milwaukee and I can start next to Giannis or trade me here or trade me to Golden State. And I, it doesn't work like that. Seemed out of character for Jay Crowder. Out like, of character. Jay, is
1: this your first rodeo, by the way,
0: Jay? <laughs> yeah, you've been in the league, right? Come on. And also, just fairly illogical. Like, if you want to, if it's really that important, you can go start on some bad team, but you're probably not going to start on a good team. Your best chance at minutes, probably on a good team, are here. Now, we still don't know what exactly is going on, but Jay Crowder. Wanted to make it clear, that's not what's going on. Again, this is Chris Haynes from the TNT broadcast during Suns Warriors the other night. Honestly,
1: this is unfamiliar ground for me. This is my 11th year, and I've always been in camp and started a year off with my team. The business of basketball has taken its course, and change, and changes have come. I do not want to get the details just yet, but it's definitely not true of the narrative being pushed about me not starting or not. I can honestly say that. I've had two great years with my teammates, and the fans in Phoenix. I do not take that for granted. I'm forever grateful for the moments we share.
0: Okay, so that does make sense to me for the reasons I just laid out. It yeah. Just it, in, a, in, a, in the real world, you don't get to go pick that you're going to go start for another really good team, so it can't just be that. What doesn't make
1: sense to me, Wolf, is then what is it? <laughs> Maybe it's just he wants to be paid. Maybe that's just it right there, but uh, yeah, that doesn't really compute either because, okay, you're going to make $10.1 million this year. You're not going to make it, you know what I mean, unless you're actually doing it. Well, and yeah, It's either way, it's, he, he wasn't going to get paid more this year. I know. He wasn't going to, so I don't understand it either or either if you're from the East Coast. Who's not giving us the whole story here? That is the question. Follow, follow the words. Follow the quotes right now. Who's not giving us the whole story? It's got to be the Phoenix Suns right now.
0: Is it possible the Suns just don't want Jay Crowder? I mean, that's that has to be considered a possibility, right? I mean, I've been sitting here for the last few weeks saying, hey, maybe there's a chance. Jay Crowder looks around. Okay, I can't get traded to a team I want to be on. I'm going to play two minutes less per game anyway if I stay here in Phoenix. The Suns yeah. look and they're like, hey, we could use you as a sixth man. But maybe that's not even an option. Maybe the Suns are like, no, no, we are ready to move on.
1: Listen, the, the Phoenix Suns have their reasons as to why they don't want Jay Crowder inside that locker room, man. They have their reasons, and they know what those reasons are. And I know this better than most and understand the influence that one guy can actually have on his teammates. I understand this. I really do. Um We've speculated as to why the Suns don't want him inside that locker room, and the only answer I can come up with is... They don't want his dominance inside that locker room. Dominant personality. He's got a dominant personality. Uh, maybe, maybe it's too intense. Sixty-four games with him last year. Listen, I'm just saying, maybe if you were a guy and you were Cam Johnson and you were going to be started, maybe it's Cam Johnson. Maybe it's DeAndre Ayton. Maybe it's campaign. Who knows who it Maybe it's yes to all of those. Maybe it's yes to all of those, but if you've got a guy that is dominant, um, I know this much right now. You walk around an NFL locker room, especially back when I was playing, you walk around an NFL locker room right now, you're going to get ripped. (laughs) You are going to get ripped. I, th- I think and it's probably ripped, still that way, uh, and I would imagine it would still be that way. Maybe, maybe that was Jay Crowder, and maybe Jay Crowder's ripping. There was intensity behind it, and maybe there was meaning, and maybe he was challenging dudes, walking up to dudes and challenging them. Maybe that's what he was doing. It's just so much
0: like, look mystery around this team since the midway point of that Mavericks series last year. You know, because <laughs> doesn't your mind wander to like, okay, wait a minute. The last time we saw Jay Crowder, he was on the floor in that blowout Game 7 loss. So if the team is deciding they don't want him, was something going on behind the scenes during that series? Oh, no. I mean, this would be like the eighth possible thing that was going on behind the scenes during that series, right?
1: Wait a minute now. Wait. I don't know. That. You might be onto something right there. You might be onto something. Honestly. Uh, OK, so just again, we're, we're left to put the pieces together. Maybe there was a situation where, yeah, Jay Crowder got fired up and maybe got fired up uh, DeAndre Ayton. Maybe maybe got fired up at D.A. Maybe that was it. You know, D.A., it was so interesting because D.A., what was his cut yesterday that kind of offended me a little bit? Yeah, we played it, was it was like, later right at the end of the show, too. What <laughs> <laughs> was like, the world offending? It was just kind of like that cut where he was like, you know, I'm not going to fight somebody in front somebody. Yeah, he, was, he was talking up. about Draymond Green trying to get under his skin. Draymond yeah. Green trying to get under his skin right there. I'm not going to do- I'm just, listen, Jay Crowder is an intense, aggressive dude. We all understand he that and know that. games with Jay Crowder. the finals the year before with Jay Crowder. The the only explanation I have for what is going on right now, and the Suns have their reasons, and James Jones is the guy that I believe and trust the most in regard to this. There's a reason why they don't want Jay Crowder walking around that locker room. What is that reason? (laughs) Something got right in my throat. I just figured you were getting emotional about losing Jay Crowder. I don't know. You're fired up today. But I, I... something there's a reason why they don't want him walking around why what is that we were left to speculate it's it's just
0: they have their reason it's ironic because he gives that statement to chris haynes the other night and chris haynes reads it on the tnt broadcast and i'm assuming again i just keep putting myself in jay crowder's shoes like yeah okay it wasn't me asking out so go read this statement so people realize i'm not trying to force my way out of phoenix but now that we've heard the statement wolf
1: it sounds like the Suns don't want him. <laughs> like either way, it doesn't sound good for Jay Crowder. Right. Uh, so we've we've gone all the way from Jay Crowder trying to force his way out of Phoenix to coming back saying it's the Suns. Are you ta- you're telling me the they believe. don't want him walking around the locker room?
0: It's probably realistically a combination of the two. It's probably Jay Crowder being like, oh, I'm not starting. All right, this is my year to try and get a, a, a contract. Are you guys going to pay me then?" And the team being like, "No, you're probably not part of our future. We got to pay all these other guys." And then him being upset, and them being like, okay, we don't need this around our team. I mean, it's probably all of those things a little bit, but it's just weird.
1: So why now? Why does Jay Crowder say, that's it? I'm no longer going to take Because this he's now. wasting away in a gym
0: somewhere while the season has started. That's why. He's too good of a player to just not be playing. All right, we've got no time, Luke. Well, got, or do got, we have all actually, the time in the world? we have
1: all the time in the world, because we're going to talk about this more. Not when
0: we come back, though. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. It's the Thursday edition of What Will Wolf Watch? When we come back, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: Turn this on.
0: You're not going to ask good. for sweet tickets to see Kid Rock, That's are you?
1: That's good. You know what? Honestly, uh, I'm going to admit it. There's some Kid Rock stuff I actually like. I admitted it there. Feel better. <laughs> you've, you've confessed a lot yeah, on the air exactly. today. Exactly. Just building right, off the last beautiful part of the program. Well, yeah, so, feel better.
0: So just just to recap, Wolf was uh, wrong about Matt Ryan.
1: Wrong
0: about uh, Matt Ryan. Wrong about the Broncos. Yes. And you like some Kid Rock songs. Yes, okay. I, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to read all these back at the end of the show. Oh, good. Uh, all right. You got the Cardinals and the Vikings coming up on Sunday. Two teams that have a lot of weapons on offense, Wolf. So what will you be watching? That's right. Let's roll
1: that beautiful music. What will Wolf watch? <laughs> of air raids and Viking raids. Ah. All right. The Minnesota Vikings have a good offense because they have a number of weapons at their disposal. Ron Wolfley reporting: Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen are dangerous adversaries. Oh, they're dangerous, capable of lighting up the northern sky on any given Sunday. Norsemen lit up northern villages with torches and used many weapons, but their favorite weapons were axes. They used many different kinds of axes for many different jobs, but working wood with the axe often turned into storming villages with battle axes. Kirk Cousins knows how to throw darts to his receivers, but has had a hard time doing it when games matter most. And although a football isn't as heavy as a Viking throwing axe. Something tells me Kirk Cousins wouldn't have won many axe throwing contests. Kirk's arm strength is suspect, but his accuracy and knowledge of the game allows him to be successful on the gridiron, and oh yes he has been. Although stone axes were what Vikings used originally, iron became the norm around the 6th century AD. The Vikings made their axes efficient and deadly. Although they used Them for working wood. They also knew at any time the axe could become a life-saving weapon when out and about. Oh, Dalvin Cook is more like a battle axe. (laughs) A battle axe oftentimes had two blades on either side of the axe, good for killing either way the wielder swung it. Cook is a dual-threat running back, capable of hurting a defense with his legs, his hands, or both. Swing Dalvin Cook either way and tacklers oftentimes lose their heads. Metaphorically speaking, throw him the ball in the flat and watch him make a routine play and turn it into something special. Although they don't throw him the ball often, he is a weapon on every play. Never forget that, Basin Onions. Adam Thielen is more of a common tool than a weapon of death. And that is what makes him so dangerous. Like many North of old, feeling is a lumberjack stripping the bark from a tree on one play and a Viking warrior on the next, swinging his axe, beheading DBs on another. At the ripe old age of 32, he's not the deep threat he once was, but he still has sneaky speed and runs routes with clarity and purpose. Oh, it's clear Big Reds' defense has been playing with purpose. Although they have allowed many passing yards this season, anyone that has watched this team play knows that Byron Murphy has turned into an excellent corner, and Marco Wilson is crossing that forward as we speak. Throw in a healthy Antonio Hamilton, and the depth chart at corner isn't alarming. Not as alarming as it was... During the preseason The Yowla horn Yeah, the Yowla horn Is alarming The old Icelandic horn Translates into the words Yell and horn In modern Icelandic Yellowhorn means megaphone. Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson will need a megaphone to be at their best at U.S. Bank Stadium. The long bolts will come out and the deep shots taken when Justin Jefferson sounds the horn and tries to blow the Cardinals' safeties out of the water. Jefferson is one of the best receivers in the football universe. He does everything a receiver must do and does it well. Storming unsuspecting villagers. Which brings us back to Kirk Daniel Cousins. The offense that throws the ball best should win this game. And Fox will televise the game nationally because of this. And we all know how Kirk plays in front of a national audience, historically speaking. Isn't that right? Arizona Cardinals just want to be clear, did you say Kirk or Kurt?
0: Kirk. Okay, good. I yes, thank you very much. Yeah, well, Daniel. I... Kirk Daniel Cousins. Oh, you got his middle name and everything. I don't want to lose to Minnesota. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to you talk about that, and I'm realizing, just kind of remembering, okay, this game's in Minnesota. You're going to have to deal with all the Viking motifs and the horn blowing every time Minnesota does something good. I just, can you just beat the Vikings? Yes. Just, just go into Minnesota and beat the Vikings. The
1: skull clap. Yeah. They no, get going no right. No. It is pretty cool, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm just
0: saying. When they're playing Detroit, it's cool. It's going to be irritating Boom. when they're playing the Cardinals. Oh, Isn't there yeah. like a? It doesn't. They do that in like New Zealand, don't they? For yeah, their I, uh, I, Australian
1: rules. I'm team sure d- you know. There's a lot of uh, rugby football. Yeah. There's a lot of um, Australian rules football. There's a lot of stuff that actually happens all over the world where um, they have their own things that they do. And I don't know what they are, <laughs> Luke. I have <laughs> no idea. I thought you were but you, might be, onto, some you might be on some amazing. wisdom. something right there. It's rugby less... players have their own. Oh, like like so many of the. Poly- Polynesian players and yeah. right, they do the haka, yeah, like the, the pregame. Are you stuff. are yeah. me right now. You imagine if the Cardinals
0: came oh. out and did that before
1: the game. <laughs> Minnesota would be like, What is happening? Okay. Um, I wanted to learn the haka, by the way. Yep. Nico Noga, follow Nico, follow Nico Noga to the islands. That's what we used to say right there all the time. Follow Nico. Now, he said, No, wovley, no, Wovely." Falunico Noga, it's the guy that not is, even is like my brother, right? I mean, this is a guy that taught me so much. He was my mentor when I came to the league. And the love that I have in my heart for him, he would not teach me the Haka. He said, hey, Wolf, I can't do that. that. That is something that is near and dear to our culture, and I can't teach you how to do that. But That's he that. would do the Haka from time to time. Yep. and We'd all just lose our mind. <laughs> I, are you kidding me? Anyways, okay, sidetrack. Well, when you said that this
0: should come down to who throws the ball better, this is where we are right now in this, uh, this evolution of Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and just this era of Cardinals football. Kyler Murray should be a distinct advantage over Kirk Cousins. There's just no way around it. Now I know he hasn't necessarily looked like that this year, but I'm just saying if you take a step back from everything, you just you for, let's say this is Game One of this season, okay? And you just paid Kyler Murray two hundred thirty million dollars, and you are you took him with the number one overall pick, and you put all these pieces around him. If it really does come down to who plays better quarterback on Sunday.
1: These are the sorts of games the Cardinals should win. Yeah. Because Kyler Murray should be better than Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And it's once again, it's not like the Minnesota Vikings secondary has been lights out. They have not been lights out by any stretch of the imagination right now. Um, Not only in yards per game that they're allowing, of course, or number 28, but also in passing yards per play. Number 32, dead last, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, in the league, if you can imagine that. So when we talk about playing that cover two shell, and they do that, with Ed Donatel, of course, her defensive coordinator, playing an awful lot of zone right now. We've talked about that all week, of course. Um, Ed Donatel? Should be a game, yes, this should be a game where DeAndre Hopkins goes off, and so does Kyler Murray. Uh, I have more on that, too, because I want to know if Cardinals fans still
0: enjoy watching Patrick Peterson lose as much as they did like a year or two ago. Ed Donatel. Like
1: my third favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Not Pat, even top two. Yeah, Pat P really isn't playing poorly. It's the secondary it doesn't, If you're a fan, That's that
0: doesn't matter. Point. All you care about is Patrick Peterson losing to the Cardinals. I see. That's all you care about. Very good. Then. All right, when we come back, what does the Suns win over Golden State do for the team going forward? You're going to hear what their GM had to say next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports. Welcome back to the show on a Thursday morning. Oh, we got Ravens Buccaneers tonight. What a, Ooh, you know what? What a sort of look, game Wolf would like that none of look, us are going to
1: like. What are you going to do? Are, are, are you going to fix Tom Brady, Todd Balls? Are you going to fix him? What are you going to do? Has anyone gotten his face and said, Tom, this is what we have to do? You
0: know who would have done that would have been uh, Bruce
1: Arians. B.A. would have done it. Mm-hmm. Probably already has. Probably already has. <laughs> Nobody asked him to, and B.A.'s probably in his face. Yeah, yeah BA, I can see that BA happening. B.A. will get
0: in anybody's face if, uh, if he feels like they need it. That's why B.A. is so good. He doesn't care
1: what you say to him either. He does He'll not. he take it.
0: I, I will just continue to reference back his first game as Buccaneers head coach, post-game press conference. First person he calls out, Tom Brady. I love
1: it. I love it. <laughs> that, is, that is so Bruce.
0: Uh, all right, over to basketball. James Jones was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and he talked about his team beating Golden State.
2: This is a meaningful game. I think... Um, during the regular season, especially when you start the regular season, coming up the summer, everyone's itching to play, and and when you play with the postseason in mind, uh, sometimes it can be a slog. You just think about like how do we get to the next game, but when you have games like yesterday, we have two really great teams, Hall of Fame players, all NBA players, and guys with a lot of pride and and a lot of uh, success, you want to go out there and compete, and I thought yesterday, both teams played at such a high level, um, it it made for entertaining basketball.
0: How about That how many Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, do you think were on the court in that game? (laughs) Steph for sure, Chris Paul for sure. Yes, I would say eventually Devin Booker gets there.
1: Um, Draymond Green. Hey, you think Draymond Green's a Hall of Famer? I do. I think he does because of his two-way nature, because of how um, effective he is as a facilitator on the offensive end of the floor, and the fact that how many has he won? And I don't think he's done. Better at shoving people in the back than anybody in league history, too. I I mean, once again, the physicality that he brings. Yes, I don't like his antics. I've said this many, many times, but... um, I don't think, especially the first couple of rings they won, I don't think there's any way they win it without Draymond Green.
0: I would agree with that. Although you could argue they also would have another ring if he hadn't kicked LeBron. <laughs> so maybe he just gets three of the four.
1: That's, that's good. That's good right there. I do. I think he's a Hall of Famer, man. All
0: right. So the, uh, that maybe four future Hall of Famers, maybe five if you count Draymond, and then who knows if uh, if Mikel Bridges wants to just have an amazing career. But you figure at least four future Hall of Famers in that game. I like that James Jones... And, and even Devin Booker after the game and Monty Williams not shying away from the fact that that game is different than playing Sacramento in the middle of January or whatever. Here's more from James Jones uh, on this time on Devin Booker potentially taking another step as we detailed earlier this week with help uh, courtesy of Kellen Olson for the
2: story he wrote for our site. Devin's always had the desire to be a complete player, and you know he moves on from mastery uh, of one craft to mastery in another area. And I thought coming into the season he would he would take a step forward in handling the ball, decision making, understanding that teams would trap him, um, really having the command of the offense and, and getting guys in the right spot so that they can be effective. But then defensively, he's really um, he's taken another step. I, I think it's the game is slowed down, and, and more importantly, he has the the band with and the capacity to play both ends of the floor at a high level. Uh, it's really taxing when you're asking a guy to score 30 points a game. Uh, sometimes his mental reserves can be tapped, but he's, he's proven that um, from a physical standpoint. Uh, from an emotional standpoint, he's ready to take a larger role, and he's been doing that early in the season.
1: Your thoughts on that, Logan. It's it's
2: remarkable
0: that it's, it's... Look, nobody's surprised by the fact that Devin Booker, after year seven, was like, okay, how can I get better going into year eight? What is... And I don't even want to say this is surprising, but what is just so remarkable is that he is finding tangible ways he can still get better. You would think at a certain point, it's like a football team, right? You win five games one year and 10 the next, and you can yeah. win 15 the year after that, like how much at a certain point, there's got to be a ceiling, right? Right. It's only four games, but the way he's doing it, it looks like he has found a way to take a legitimate step forward. I would say he's taken more of a step in these first four games yeah. than DeAndre Ayton or
1: Cam Johnson. You know, there there have been legendary, legendary Hall of Fame players and active players right now like LeBron James. He, LeBron won his first title, what, when he was 27? I mean, Devin yeah. Booker's 25 correct yeah. do I have that right yes. Devin Booker is 25. Still right 25 now. Still I mean it, it's truly, always be 25. it's truly amazing when you go back and you look at some of the biggest names to play or playing in the NBA in the association they didn't win it until they were 27 28. Somewhere in that vicinity, in the high 20s, Um, you know, Devin Booker's 25 years old, and he's getting better, getting better. The legendary part, be legendary, right, Book? Be legendary. That's what Kobe said to you, and we all know that. And we're watching you develop in all these different areas, becoming a complete player. Be legendary. The only thing left is to win a title. That's it to me.
0: He keeps progressing the way he's progressing. He's going to win a title, if not multiple titles. It set aside everything else, whether it is eight years from now on a different team, whether it's this year with the Suns, whether he plays his whole career with the Suns and wins four here, I think anything is on the table if he's going to keep playing the way he's playing. And continue, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was really good when he came into the league and from year one to year yes. two got better and year two to year three got better and some of these years took huge steps and now we're coming out of year seven where the team won 64 games and he was amazing all the way through until game six and game seven against Dallas and now he's taken another Step forward this year? Yes. I, I love it, but I'm only half joking when I say he's taken it's four games. He looks like he's taken more of a step than the younger guys on the team that they need to take another step. <laughs> it can't just be
1: Devin Booker. Yeah, you know, you're right. It can't just be Devin Booker, but man, um, keep doing it, bud. Oh, yeah, no, don't Keep doing out. it. Just get better and better and better. Man, to me, the thing that I love so much is he is a basketball player. I can't stand the the specialist mode. I, I, that, that drives me crazy you mean um, the guy that can just hit threes and nothing else exactly yeah. just hit threes and nothing else uh, a guy that's a defensive player and nothing else a guy that okay he can put the the ball on the floor he's got a pretty good handle he can take it to the rack but he, he can't hit a perimeter shot somewhere um, in
0: here you've described Ben Simmons but I'm not sure he can do any of these things this year so I don't know what it
1: is yes no I was thinking of Ben Simmons when I actually said that <laughs> I, I, I love to see a basketball player it's one of the things I love about baseball as well. Uh, It drives me crazy when you've got a great hitter and he can't field his position. It drives me absolutely nuts. It's one of my pet peeves right there, okay? I admit that freely. Um, It's a football player man, be capable of doing anything. I was not capable of doing anything. I was capable of doing one thing. And this is the reason why I despised the fact that I was only capable of running somebody over or getting run over. <laughs> Those That's two, two things. things. Boom! The <laughs> explosion of it. Did I have fun doing it? Yes, yeah, Space Interneens, and I would not change anything about my NFL career. Nothing. I absolutely loved that that was my role. But... You didn't want me touching the ball 20 times a game. Uh, if you <laughs> well, if guess he what? Two yards. We were going to. Well, yeah, okay, two uh, yards, all right. 20 but touches, you needed, that's like 40 yards. If you needed four, though, I'd get you two. <laughs> that was the problem. Mr. Consistency. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I love to see a complete rounded player, and that is exactly what Devin Booker has become. And I mean in spades. He's one of the best basketball players on the face of the planet.
0: Keeps playing like this, he will be in the MVP conversation. I know it's only four games, but let's be honest, it's seven years in four games. And now people nationally over the last year and a half have taken notice of him as as a top ten totally. player around the league. You have to do like <laughs> <laughs> NBA media and NBA fan bases around the country can't always handle some guy coming from out of out of quote nowhere in their mind. Like two years ago, Devin Booker could have been the best player in the NBA. I don't think he would have won MVP because people weren't ready for it. If he's the best player this year, he'll win MVP because yeah. people are ready for it.
1: Ain't none but the MVP.
0: One more from James Jones on Chris Paul and how he can continue to contribute.
2: Well, that's a, a question that everyone asked, right? I mean, we know Father Time is what they say undefeated, um, but in today's game, um, guys do so much behind the scenes that that helps them play beyond their age. You know, for us, it's just continue to focus on how we can, you know, surround him with players that can help him, that can, can lighten the load. So that he can be more aggressive offensively, uh, because I think somewhere lost in his eleven thousand assists um, is 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 the reality that Chris is a really good offensive player, and so many times he has to worry about others. So um, as you you know lighten his his creative load, I think you'll see him you know be able to make up for whatever uh, production is needed by being a better offensive player.
0: It's going to be one of the biggest storylines around this team. Because like I just said before, it can't be Devin Booker within the context of actually winning a title. It can't just be Devin Booker. They got to have Chris Paul at, he doesn't have to be prime Chris Paul from six years ago or whatever that is. But they need the Chris Paul we saw during the regular season last year in the playoffs this year. And honestly, you don't even really need to see him until the playoffs this year. Like you don't need to see him at that level. You just need, you know, what we had the other night's fine.
1: Yes, they need they need D.A., Flex his muscle oh, and become that. the second scoring option on this
0: team. That would help. Uh, all right. When we come back, where do the Cardinals stand injury wise heading into their matchup against Minnesota? We're going to be joined by 15 year NFL vet Lorenzo Alexander for the lowdown next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.